What's up, guys? Pete Mundo, HeartlandCollegeSports.com. Thanks for downloading this week's radio show. It's actually a radio show. Yeah, it airs in Kansas, Texas, Oklahoma, and West Virginia on stations. We now put it in the podcast form. If you haven't, rate, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. And uh, I got a deal for you. If you take a screenshot of your review and email it to me, Pete Mundo at HeartlandCollegeSports.com, I will send you a free Heartland College Sports koozie. It's a great deal. It really is. You're going to love the koozie. And this podcast, we're not even, what, two-thirds of the way through the month, and we have set a record for downloads. That's because of you. I appreciate it, guys. Enjoy the show, and we will talk to you next week. Safeties drop really deep. Handoff sermon over the left side. Big hole. 30. First down. 25 20. Breaks a tackle. 15 10 5. The minister is into the end zone. Preach. Mason takes the ball, fakes a handoff, fires over the middle. It's caught by Aitman, and he takes it into the end zone. He juggled it for a moment, but got it back. Pistols firing. Touchdown, Oklahoma State's Marcel Aitman. There's more to us than that. Two receivers left, one right. Quarterback keeper here, 30-yard line, Jesse 25-20, to the goal line, touchdown! 35 yards on the run for Jesse Ertz. Turpin in motion, they fake to him, hand to Hicks, he'll walk in and score! Hit the horn with 7.39 to play in the second quarter, and the Horn Frogs now go up 13-7 in 2,000 country stations, yeah, we're one big country nation, that's right. Well, another Big 12 Media Days in the books, and what a whirlwind couple of days it was. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly. It's great to be here with you, and I'll tell you what, this radio show is, is going bonkers right now, and so is the podcast version on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. We are just uh, getting record numbers of downloads. It's because of you guys, and we are getting closer to the season, and we really appreciate you being a part of the show. We really do. Now I'm in Kansas City. I used to work out in Oklahoma. Um, in between, I was in New York City, and the job that that this staff did, that our guys, myself, Matthew Postens, Derek Duke, Dave Beal, and Cam Brock Mafar did this week was uh, unbelievable. Full disclosure, I was there Monday I could not get down both days due to my day job doing a radio show in Kansas City. I couldn't get off both days. But uh, Matt and Derek and Dave were down both days, and it was just a raucous couple of days. The content on our site is unbelievable right now, so be sure to go check that out. Well, a couple of highlights for me coming out of Big 12 Media Days were as follows. On day one, the biggest thing was that David Beatty – and Cliff Kingsbury both were very open to the idea that they are on the hot seat. I asked Cliff Kingsbury to his face. I said, listen, you know, do you actually have to show improvement in the win column this year to keep your job? Or is this one of those things where, you know, you can kind of get away with the fact of, well, you know, we only won six games again, but we're really seeing improvement and depth in the program and all those little things. And he was like, nah, I probably got to see it in the win column. I do. And that's a far cry from last year when he was like, you know, coaches are always in the hot seat. I feel like I'm on the hot seat every year, kind of like the standard cliche stuff. But he was he was straight about it this year, and I, I respected the hell out of him for it. And David Beatty, you know, I, I asked him this question 
in the morning. You know, just so you know how it works, in the morning, each coach takes the podium, and that's where they pass around the microphone. That's where you can watch it on TV, right? And then there's lunch, and, you know, no one loves lunch like the media. Half these guys could stand to lose a few pounds. I mean, just look around. Holy hell. <laughs> but after lunch, they do an hour-and-a-half breakout session where they have the coach and all the players that he brought, usually anywhere from four or five, and they each have their own little table. They sit there. They post up. You can talk to them about anything and everything, and you get a little more intimate with these guys. And it's a really cool scene, a really cool environment. It was up at the Star or down at the Star, depending on where you are, in Frisco, Texas, the Cowboys practice facility. Fantastic facility. Well, David Beatty, I asked him on TV in the morning in the big press conference. I said, listen, you know, you got a new athletic director. A lot of people will say that you were – you have been good for building back up the scholarships and, and stabilizing this program to some extent. But, you know, what does improvement mean in year four in the wing column? And he danced around it from the standpoint of not giving a win total number that he's looking at. But he did admit, like, you know, if I don't win some games, I'm out. And I talked to somebody who has very close Kansas ties, and they told me that, the magic number for Beatty, three or less, he's probably done. Five, he definitely stays. Four is the interesting number. What if he wins four? Can you justify keeping him? And then what are those other losses like? What are the eight losses like? Are they by 10 points or less, single digits, or you know, were they blowouts? It's going to be fascinating to watch that unfold. It really is. Now, the most interesting guy to talk to at Big 12 Media Days every year, hands down, Gary Patterson. And we're going to have a lot of features on all these guys we talked to coming out over the next couple of weeks. But Gary Patterson, I had a conversation with him. It was towards the end of the day. So I was able to get some decent, you know, one-on-one -on -one time with Gary Patterson. And I asked him about recruiting Texas and why, you know, basically it feels like the Horn Frogs and the Longhorns are doing that pretty well. But the rest of the conference hasn't, and that's allowed the SEC West to infiltrate uh, Big 12 territory. Also, of course, conference realignment did that. And he looked at me and he goes, well, I don't think Texas is recruiting just Texas. And I kind of stepped back and I'm like, well, what's he talking about? And then I realized he was talking about the 2019 class, which he's right about. The 2019 class, and Patterson pointed this out to me. There have been complaints at the high school level in Texas that the Longhorns are recruiting more nationally for the class of 2019, whereas when you compare it to the class of 2018, they were very, very Texas-heavy in terms of guys from the state. And Patterson said, you know, we're always going to be recruiting our area. And, and I also thought this was interesting. I said to him, I said, listen, Gary, um, do you think the fact that you are now recruiting top 25 classes, because... You know, some dopey Texas beat writer asked Gary Patterson. He goes, hey, Gary, how do you always do it with two and three star guys? Like, does he not look at the recruiting rankings? TCU had the third best class in the Big 12. I, I, you know, and then these Texas guys asking about recruiting rankings. If you guys stopped giving a you know what about recruiting rankings, maybe your teams wouldn't stink for the past 10 years. I mean, it's unbelievable with these guys sometimes. The arrogance. Some of these people that cover Texas, not all of them. Some of them are great guys. And I'll share a story about one of them later on today. But some of them are just unbelievable. 
So anyway, Gary Patterson's recruiting really well. And I asked him, I said, listen, you know, the success that TCU is having on the recruiting trail and in the Big 12 and, and as a Power 5 program, is this the reason that Power 5 programs did not want TCU to make that jump over the past you know, 15 years or so before they joined the Big 12? And he said, absolutely. We're sitting right in the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex, a growing area, an enormous amount of talent. Nobody wanted to have us right in that backyard to steal guys away. They didn't want that. All right, that makes a lot of sense. And then I followed up. I said, is that going to hurt a program like SMU right there in Dallas-Fort Worth or a program like Houston, ton of talent down there as well, from going to the group of five or going from the group of five to a power five conference? And he said, no, it's not going to be that. It's going to be money because eventually conferences are not going to want to share the pie anymore. And that is so spot on. That's why the Big 12 did not expand because if you can't add a program or a team that brings any value when it comes to the checkbook and the size of the check that these TV companies are going to give you, then what's the point? Cincinnati was not going to add any type of desirability to the Big 12. It wasn't going to do it. Not at all. So... It was I mean, it just I love talking to Gary Patterson. I could talk to him all day. I could have sat there all day, but I got to do my job and talk to <laughs> talk to some of the other guys as well. I thought Lincoln Riley had a lot more swagger, a lot more confidence, and he just he, he clearly is in year two. And when I sat with uh, Lincoln Riley for a little bit, I said, "Is Bob Stoops going to be as big a part of this program as he was last year?" And he quipped back, "He goes, well, you know, Bob Stoops will be a part of this program for however long and whenever Bob Stoops wants to be a part of this program. Because when you get a statue outside, uh, you're doing okay, you're doing all right." And I was like, "Yeah, you know what? That that makes a lot of sense." So I had to follow it up, and I asked him. I said, "Are you going to lean on him as much?" Because Bob Stoops was essentially, he was an integral part of this program last year. I remember being on the field after the Big 12 championship game, OU wins it, and Bob Stoops is hugging, kissing people. I mean, he was like a proud father watching this team win. He was a huge part of this program last year. And Lincoln Riley admitted as much. I asked him that question after the Big 12 title win last season. But you see this year, and, and Riley just, you know, he's more comfortable. Think about last year. He walks into Big 12 Media Days, and he's got the job for all of a month. I mean, it's a totally different ball game this year compared to last year. It's, it's not even close. And you saw that comfort level there, and it was, it was good to see. Well, then you had, um, a, you want to talk about guys that are fun to talk to. Uh, Matt Campbell at Iowa State, that, that was as good as it gets. And... Kyle Kempt is an interesting cat. So is David Montgomery. Someone who I'm watching closely there, Ray Lima, the defensive um, tackle. Just a down-to-earth guy. Spent a few minutes talking to him. And he is somebody that really is going to be anchoring this defense. And you don't have, you know, you don't think of the Big 12 and think of legit D tackles. Ray Lima might be able to be that guy this year. He played last year, of course, really good player last year. But if he really has that breakout season, he can be that that classic. I'm not going to say he's going to be Gerald McCoy from 10 years ago. Those guys don't exist in the Big 12 anymore, unfortunately. But, man, he can be really good. And you know who's an absolute man-child? Kenneth Murray, the linebacker from Oklahoma. That guy is a house and a half. 
unreal. I mean, you just look at him and you almost fall over. <laughs> He's a monster. Absolute monster. Well, we're going to get to the other five teams that came out on day two. We'll get to them later on in the show. I promise you that. Those are all the day one teams we're covering there. But coming up next, a special interview with Joel Klatt of Fox Sports. Caught him at Big 12 Media Days, and he will join us next right here on Heartland College Sports Weekly. So I've been looking forward to sharing this with you since I recorded it. I caught up with Fox Sports' Joel Klatt, who, by the way, as good as he is as an analyst and an opinion maker and a Big 12 guy, he's an even better dude. I mean, this guy was fantastic. He gave me about eight, nine minutes of his time. And here is my chat with Joel Klatt from Frisco, Texas, at Big 12 Media Days earlier this week. Going by Joel Klatt, Big 12 Media Days. Uh, uh, Joel, you know, when you look at the pecking order of the Power Five conferences, it seems like the Big 12 is trending in a positive direction. Where would you where would you put them in that hierarchy? Oh man, I, I I generally loathe this discussion only because I think it's bad for the game. Having said that, they are trending in the right direction. My rankings are very different from other people's because. For me, it's not just about your champion. For me, if you're going to rate a conference, you're rating the depth of the conference. So for me, there's only one other conference that, that has more legitimate contenders for their championship, and that's the Big Ten. They have five legitimate contenders for their championship, four out of one division, one out of the other, Wisconsin, Michigan, Michigan State, Penn State, Ohio State. Right, So to me, I think the Big Ten's the best conference. Why? Because they're the deepest conference at the top end. Um, the SEC's great. Bama's unbelievable. Clemson's unbelievable. That doesn't mean that the ACC and the SEC are strong. That means that those two teams are incredible. Incredible. Georgia's really good. Auburn, we'll see. Outside of that, I've, I think Kansas State beats Mississippi State, personally. But we'll see. We'll see how it comes out. So for me, I have the Big 12 behind um, the Big 10 in terms of conference strength. And again, conference strength means overall strength in my mind. What is the conference that has the best team, Alabama and the SEC? That would be my answer. Now, is that something why – why does it seem like no other national media people want to look at, at conferences like that, look at the entire picture and the entire conference instead of just – Alabama and, and Clemson when they're looking at these conferences? Um, that's a good question. I mean, you, I guess you'd have, you have to ask them. Some people view it differently. They would say your conference is only as good as your strongest team. Um, I view a conference more like a chain, so I have the weak link argument. You know, like, well, where's the weakest link? How many links are weak? So on and so forth. So I don't know why, why they view it that way. Um, without yeah, I mean, without getting into like a network contracts, semantics, all that. Yeah. I, I don't know. Joel Clyde joining us, Big Twelve Media Days. Um, your buddy Colin Coward is a little tough on this conference. I mean, Baker Mayfield, the whole he just hates the Big Twelve. What's that all about, Colin? <laughs> oh man, I feel like um, and he loves the Pac-12 by the way, which is by far the weakest of the five. No question, no no question. Um, 
you know how there's there's that and I can't think of the uh, there's a psychological term for kind of only being aware of the things that are right in front of you you know I can't think of the term right now but that's Colin you know, he lives in LA so everything's in LA, you know everything's yeah. on the west coast well, he loves the west coast yeah so you know I have to go in there and try to educate him every <laughs> every now and again uh, I love talking college football with Colin. Here's the thing about Colin. He doesn't generally hate anybody. He loves the sport. It comes off as being critical, and there's certain parts of the country that will get upset with him. He loves the sport, and there's not a, another media member that I enjoy talking college football with more because he will dive deep. He wants to talk about the nitty-gritty. He wants to talk about the statistics. If I give him a stat or, or an argument that is competent and, and he – likes he'll change his mind you know and and that's rare in our industry i know i'm certainly more stubborn than that so like i said i i really enjoy really enjoy talking college football with him how um how much do the the big 12 has been hurt by the fact that they've only had two playoff teams it's both been oklahoma and each time they've come up short of a national championship game has that hurt the national perception in your opinion well part part of the Listen, the guys that get on the soapbox and want to chant SEC all the time, yeah. they point to champions, right? So they just point to national champions. Yeah. It wasn't that long ago between 2000 and 2009 where, I mean, the Big 12 was not only relevant, it's almost like the national championship went through them. You know, so from the time Oklahoma beat Florida State to the time Colt McCoy walked off the field with an injury against Alabama, I mean, I mean the Big 12 was almost the preeminent conference even if they weren't winning every championship, but it's skewed, you know, that run from the SEC, the fact that they circled the wagons down there and, and they are so good at, at drinking the Kool-Aid and talking the talking points. They have a network that does it. You know, I mean, they, it's constant, right? We're the toughest league, we're the toughest league, we're the toughest league, we're the toughest league, with no proof, except for the champion. It's tough to argue with. I'll give him that. How many times has the SEC had the best team in college football? A lot. Yeah. A lot. There have been years when they are, were far and away the best conference in college football. Their depth was incredible, both both sides uh, of their divisions. There are years when that hasn't been the, the case. Both years they had the champion. That doesn't mean they were the best conference in both years. Mm. Joel Clyde, Big 12 Media Days. Um, you look at – the state of Texas and the fact that the SEC started recruiting there more so after the last batch of conference realignment. How much do you think that hurt the Big 12 in terms of its own recruiting and its own stature, I guess, that a lot of these big D linemen in Houston and Dallas were now choosing the SEC West? Yeah, I mean, I think it hurts a lot. There are some people that argued with me that said uh, it always happened and Arkansas always recruited from here and LSU always recruited from here. Just seems different now, though. You know, it, it, it certainly seems different. In particular, when I think that the the biggest weakness in the Big 12 is defensive line play. Yeah. Oh no doubt. Yeah. Uh, didn't used to be the case, uh, but I think it is now. Um, I think in hindsight, people, if you got them with some truth serum, they would, they would tell you that they wish that 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 wouldn't have happened that way, and that they they wish that they would have kept the the gorilla on that side mm-hmm. not let it you know you let somebody's foot in the door you can't get them back out so it's it's one of those things it's uh this is what it is i think tom herman ultimately can i mean he recruited fantastically this last year i mean unbelievable especially at d-back 
Uh, can he really turn this thing around? Yeah. Is he finally the guy? I think so. I think that they're going to have a really good season this year. Uh, next year they'll be even better. They might be better than that the, the season after that. I think we're in for another, you know, from, from 2000 to 2009, Oklahoma and Texas, man. I mean, they were going. Yeah. And that's in large part why people thought the Big 12 was so good during those years. The two premium powers were going at each other. Um, I think we're in store for that. Maybe not this year. Maybe, maybe not. But certainly in the years to come, they, they look like with Herman, Lincoln, Riley, the recruiting that both schools are doing, that we're in for another five, six, seven-year war. Who's your dark horse then in this? I mean, everyone has Oklahoma at the top. Is, is it West Virginia, TCU? Is it Texas? Who's that team that um, could knock them off this year? All three of those are teams I would put on that rung where, yeah, they've got a shot to knock them off. Um, <clears throat> it's harder to say Oklahoma State and Kansas State, although I think Kansas State's going to be really good. <clears throat> I think that the dark horse is TCU. They are always tough. They were in the championship game last year. They're going to have an athletic quarterback in Sean Robinson. They've got the conference's premier defensive player in Ben Banigou. They're going to be good. They're going to be really good. It's Joel Klatt, Big 12 Media Days. Thanks, Joel. You bet. That's as good as it gets out of Joel Klatt. We appreciate him spending a few minutes with me at Big 12 Media Days earlier this week. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly. Well, coming up, we go to day two of Big 12 Media Days. My thoughts there. And which coach? Still a prickly cat. We'll get to it coming up. Well, the football season is really unofficially here, is it not? Once you get to Big 12 Media Days, the next few weeks are going to absolutely fly. I mean, summer is just going to be buying a blink of an eye, and away we go. So it was great to be in Frisco this week, uh, Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly. Thanks so much for joining us and uh, being a part of the show. And if you miss any of the show, you can find it on iTunes, Stitcher, or Google Play as well. Well, day two, a few interesting storylines to me. First off, Bill Snyder uh, had both his quarterbacks there. He had Skylar Thompson and Alex Delton. And to me... First off, it's highly unusual, and it's highly unusual for Bill Snyder to be the guy to buck the trend like that. But when you heard him talk and you read the quotes, essentially he has so much confidence in both of these players, and the maturity in both of these players is as such where he had no problem bringing them both and said they both deserve to be there. So I know the old adage is when you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterbacks. I don't know if that's the case in Manhattan. You know, I was at the spring game and I saw both these guys. I thought Delton looked a little sharper. That's just me. And it was also a rainy, cold Saturday. You know, we didn't see all the spring practice like Bill Snyder did. But I am very fascinated to see who takes that first snap for the Kansas State Wildcats this year and what they do in like week two against Mississippi State. I'll probably be at that game. Um Maybe a Heartland College Sports tailgate for you K-State fans. Stay tuned for that. But, yeah, it's I'm really fascinated to see what exactly happens at that quarterback position. Mike Gundy, his usual self, you know, our own Dave Beal, yeah, he wrote about this, and it's really interesting. Mike Gundy said at the podium at Big 12 Media Days that Taylor Cornelius is a guy he feels good about going into August. And if you read the actual words, you realize the silver lining there. It's still probably going to be, 
I, I think it's going to be Drew Brown taking the first snap. Now, maybe Spencer Sanders becomes the starting quarterback halfway through the season. With this new redshirt rule, I could totally see that being the case. You can now play up to four games as a true freshman and still get a redshirt for that year. I think that's a fantastic rule because now these coaches don't have to worry about burning these guys. So Spencer Sanders is going to play. I just wonder when and how early. My hunch, though, is that Drew Brown's going to be the guy, the Hawaii transfer. No offense to Taylor Cornelius, but if we saw anything out of Taylor Cornelius, and if Mike Gundy saw anything out of Taylor Cornelius, he would not have been looking for a quarterback transfer, right? I mean, just a hunch. Just just a total hunch. Tom Herman did his usual nonsense, where he goes up there, he talks forever, because when you go up to the podium, each coach gets 20 minutes, right? And then they got to move on because they're going around the TV schedule. So then you can go to the breakout sessions in the afternoon when you can get these coaches and players one-on-one. But the part on TV is just 20 minutes of the coach speaking and then taking questions. You had coaches like Cliff Kingsbury basically go up there and say, I'm not going to BS you with some you know, two minutes of nonsense. Just I'm up here, ask me questions. And I, res- I respect that. I really do. So Tom Herman, he's up there for like, you know, five, six, seven minutes, whatever, talking, moseying about, so this way he can avoid as many media questions as possible. When really, you're Tom Herman, you're the Texas head coach. Man, you're going to get pounded with questions no matter what. You can't avoid it. Just be a man and take it. And the horror stories I heard from some people about Herman and his first year and how he treated the media... When he came on board last summer, you'd think that he would know better. You'd think as a guy that was, what was he, a GA at Texas, he would realize, like, this is Texas, man. This is a this is Austin. This is a professional college town. You don't just have the media, you know, around your finger. You just don't do it there. You know, maybe some guys, maybe a Chip Brown, you know, maybe he might be trying to sniff halfway up your rear end, but certainly not most of these guys that are damn good journalists. But Herman, he comes from Houston, where let's be honest, Houston's a pro town, and Houston's the kind of place where, you know, what do you have, maybe one, two guys covering the Houston Cougars? No one's like, oh, what are we doing this weekend in uh, Houston? Oh, we're going to the Cougars game. Yeah, go AAC. And no one does that. So I guess Herman was in for a bit of a rude awakening last year. And remember there was that whole thing where reporters couldn't tweet during a press conference of Tom Herman's. I get out of here with that garbage. God damn. Unbelievable. But Herman is very high on this team, and he's, he's very high on the talent level that he has, and he should feel good about it. I mean, this team's got an enormous amount of talent. They do. But if we're calling balls and strikes, you know, Texas has had an enormous amount of talent on every roster for the past 10 years, and it's meant nothing. So is this going to be the year? I don't know. I mean, I feel like next year's the year because this great freshman class has a year of experience. Next year, the quarterbacks will be a year older, and the Ellinger will be a junior, and the whole thing. So it might be a 2019 deal, but we'll see. Uh, The Baylor Bears, uh, Matt Rule is, is such an easy guy to root for. And, you know, he wasn't making any grand statements, but certainly this team's not going to win one game this year. And a lot of people believe that this could be a team that surprises a lot of folks. You know, they're being picked near the bottom of the conference. And with the depth of the Big 12, you know, seventh, eighth place could still be a bowl game eligibility. That was the case last year. 
So Baylor could finish eighth place in the conference and win six games. It's not impossible at all. And I could certainly see that happening. I mean, this team was so decimated by injuries last year. They played so many freshmen. They had such little depth. I mean, they were behind the eight ball from the minute they lost that Liberty game and lost lost players as well. So we'll see if Matt Rule can start to turn this thing around. But uh, Baylor fans, you know, if you told them they'd be a year and a half out of that disastrous interim season under Jim Grobe and, you know, have this kind of a year, a one-win year, but then have these expectations, they'd all sign up for it. They would. Now, as for West Virginia, everybody's buying into the Will Greer hype. Hopefully not Will Greer. But apparently all the guys around him, Dana Holgerson, everybody's all in. And they should be. But ultimately, this season for Dana Holgerson is going to be determined by what's in the wing column. Not by whether or not Will Greer gets an invite to New York City in December for you know the Heisman Trophy announcement. That's not going to define him to this fan base. They'll like that. They'll take that. It's always great when the Mountaineers are on the national stage. But if this team's not playing in Arlington... With the players they have coming back, that should be a disappointment. And I know the Big 12 is so loaded, and there's so much talent and ability and depth in this conference. I mean, you can make an argument for Oklahoma in the Big 12 championship game playing probably up to five teams on that first weekend in December. But the Mountaineers should be believing that they are the team that is going to ultimately be the one to meet the Sooners. And I don't want to anoint the Sooners, but, you know, they were picked by us and picked by uh, the national media to win the conference. And the talent is just ridiculous right now. So I'm going to stick with that until further notice. But, yeah, the Mountaineers should be planning on playing in that game. Because if not this year, then when? I mean, you got a guy who you heard Jen Hale say it earlier at Fox Sports, the talent of a Nick Foles type of character. He can be that guy. And you got to turn that into big-time success. You have to do it. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly. Thanks, as always, for being a part of the show, guys. We will talk to you next week, same time, same place, on Heartland College Sports Weekly. 2,000 country stations. Yeah, we're one big country nation. That's right.